Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good, beautiful summer weekend to you food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. You've tuned in to the hippest, the hottest, the coolest culinary conversation on the radio and the delicious dishes start right here and right now and I welcome you to my kitchen. I hope that this week finds you healthy and well and safe. Whether you love to cook or love to eat, you are bound to find something you'll love on this show and I do hope that you'll visit chefjamie.com for features and forums, recipes and cooking videos and that you'll become a friend and a fan on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen. But you can take your cooking skills to the next level just by staying tuned because a meal is a terrible, terrible thing to waste. And fresh strawberries are perfuming at the market. The good life this month is a bowl of cherries, literally. Corn and tomatoes are sweet. And soon you will be forcing zucchini from your garden on neighbors since it's taking over like the mint. Summer is no doubt here, and I have been grilling up a storm. I still call it COVID cooking as uh, we are safer at home, but I have lots of gastronomic inspiration to share this hour, and if you want to master a topic or be the best cook you know, you can always find podcasts of shows that you might have missed with outline show descriptions on iTunes under Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. So let's get this summer shindig started, shall we? Coming up, by the way, we are dishing with a true talent of a pit master. Yes, Ray Sheehan is back by popular demand. In fact, the certified Kansas City Barbecue Society judge and a member of the National Barbecue Association also crowned the best barbecue sauce in the world. Ray is going to wax poetic on ribs. So if you've ever wanted to master the Memphis style, the St. Louis ribs, maybe sweet, spicy beef ribs that are dry rubbed and smoked and wrapped and glazed, oh yes, we are going to tell you how. Stay tuned. Also, David Leet is stopping by once again, the three-time James Beard Award-winning food writer. He's an expert on many things, one of which... The Smash Burger. Yes, I can't wait to tell you all about it because I've been doing nothing but smashing burgers in cast iron skillets on my grill for weeks on end now. In fact, I shared a a Facebook Live cook-along post about it and you can watch the video once again at Chef Jamie Gwen. But let's dish on great grilled goodness for a moment, shall we? Here's a culinary revelation. The New Black is burnt. That's right. Smoky and a little bit bitter and imperfect because right now char is hot. And it's not actually a culinary revelation really, but as we kick off to summer, I want you to know that the char that you get on the grill is not harming you. According to studies and the old homage of everything in moderation, char is not your enemy. I actually think you should grill with great abandon. I am a girl at the grill and I happen to love 
those wonderfully beautiful, slightly charred spots on my raspberry chipotle chicken thighs. In fact, there's nothing better. And for most food lovers, burnt food might mean a serious kitchen goof, or maybe you made a Cajun-inspired blackened steak. But burnt and char mean very different things. I am not talking about scraping the black off the toast when you forget about your breakfast while you're making coffee, or like me, uh, maybe you're heating a bottle for the baby. But the char that comes from great grill marks from the barbecue is a whole nother thing. Today, char is setting a food trend. And it's a prominent feature. You see it on veggies and on pizza. And chefs across the country have been building up to loving the freedom to burn specific ingredients and dishes for the flavor enhancement factor. Now, I talk to chef friends and comrades very often, and this country is no doubt suffering uh, from a, a restaurant perspective. We are challenged with COVID. My chef friends are keeping positive and an open mind that they will come back, and many of them, hopefully in your city or town, are offering takeout or the ability to dine outside. And so they are continuing to practice and master their trade. And When it comes to summer and grilling, I have long and intense and wonderful conversations with chef friends about what they're throwing on their barbecue. It's the blackened parts of the pizza crust on a wood-fired pizza that give you the smokiness, right? And it counterbalances the fattiness of the cheese and the richness of the other toppings. And there's something to be said for imperfection on the grill. So this kickoff conversation for this week's show is really about, I'd like to say inspiring you, but even more so giving you the peace of mind that imperfection on the grill is perfect in and of itself. Interestingly enough, the flavor of burnt wood has always been a part of some things that we love for uh, hundreds and hundreds of years. American whiskey, for instance, in contrast to scotch or Irish whiskeys, right, which are usually aged in barrels, formerly used to age wine. American bourbon, aged in newly charred oak barrels. And it's just what it sounds like. The inside surface of newly made oak barrels are burnt until the interior is black and crackled. And then those blackened barrels are filled with fresh distillate, which in time becomes golden, mellow bourbon. And if you ask any bourbon lover, that's the best part, the smokiness, right? So this char phenomenon, I believe if I could forecast, it's going to continue. And so with that said, it's time to char, not burn your veggies. Don't be afraid to Pipe up that burner to high because charred, brown, crispy, blistered Brussels sprouts and carrots and zucchini and eggplant and tomatoes have a tremendous depth of flavor. It's all about the caramelization process, right? So if you want to take your grilling to a new level, you can ditch the grate and get really familiar with the coals. It's a bit barbaric, the cooking technique itself, but if you're using coals to grill, you place the meat or the vegetables directly on hot embers. And the goal is to sear or blacken the food exterior 
and you get this delicious, wonderful, smoky flavor. It happens to be a very forgiving process. I do recommend that you use lump charcoal, which you want to arrange mostly flat, and you want to move and flip whatever you're cooking so you get a nice char on all sides. Now, if you are a gas grill lover like I am, it just means firing up the grill high and having the patience to let that steak char on the grates. When it comes to, let's say, um, a New York, it's perfect because it has flat sides. Brush the meat with butter or olive oil and then make sure that you get a good sear. Sausages and hot dogs, especially delicious charred on the outside. A rack of lamb, when you wrap the bones with foil uh, and cook it directly on the coals or on a smoking hot gas grill, you'll get really delicious flavor. And then, you know, you can get char without actually consuming it in all of its wonderful ways and virtues. If you roast clams or mussels directly on the grill, you get that smoky, wonderful flavor from the shells that seeps through to the actual shellfish itself. And once they open up, I actually did this for July 4th weekend, you take them right off the grill. They take just a couple of minutes and they're just so delicious. I happen to love any vegetable, asparagus especially, charred on the grill olive oil, some fresh herbs, about six, eight minutes at most from raw to perfectly cooked, just so scrumptious. So I'm giving you the right and the ability and the technique and the say yes to char to get that smoky, wonderful flavor from your grill because you will be a culinary hero. Grill with abandon. Great abandon this summer. And check out chefjamie.com if you're looking for recipe inspiration. There is uh, a whole bevy of great grilling ideas posted on my site. So I hope that inspires you. Okay, more culinary conversation right after the break. When we come back, we are going to make the most ridiculous ribs you've ever had. Yes, you are going to master ribs this summer. The wonderfully messy, indulgent, delicious, make it an occasion. I grilled the greatest ribs ever ribs. We're going to teach you all about it. Ray Sheehan, grilling guru coming up. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Please don't go away. Grilling and chilling on a hot summer weekend. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Ray Sheehan is a certified Kansas City Barbecue Society judge and a member of the National Barbecue Association. His Memphis Mott barbecue sauce won Best Barbecue Sauce in the World and an award of excellence from the National Barbecue Association. He is no doubt a grill guru. And you heard him a little while back sharing his new cookbook, award-winning barbecue sauces and how to use them on this show. Well, I am delighted to have him as a grill correspondent, and he's back to share the secrets to next level smoking. We're talking ribs today, so stay tuned. 
Hey, Ray, I'm glad to have you. Welcome back to the show. Hey, Jamie. Thank you for having me on. <laughs> yes, of course. Okay, I love a great burger, Ray. Uh, I, I can proudly tell you humbly, I can sear a steak on the grill like nobody's business. I love a weeknight chicken cookout, but ribs are the ultimate grilled meal. There's no doubt. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> and there's so many different types of uh, ribs, so many different flavors that you can that you can use for them. Um, one of my favorites. Yeah. I, there's something about like the messy, delicious, indulgent. It becomes like an occasion when you have ribs. Everyone loves ribs. But I think it's intimidating. And I've talked about ribs in the past over many years here on the radio. They require more time if you're cooking over coals or even using gas than other types of meat. They're best low and slow, right? They have a wider window of perfection than, say, a steak. And you have to be savvy about timing and temperature. So if you would, cover the basics, just the preliminary, on how to cook ribs properly. Where do we begin? You know, it's good to begin with choosing which type of rib that you're going to be cooking, because that's going to dictate you know, how long you're going to cook it for, how you're going to season it, how you're going to, you know, if you choose to marinate it or brine them or, you know, so choosing uh, which type, whether it's going to be pork, uh, as in a baby back or a uh, St. Louis cut spare rib or just a spare or a beef rib, um, I think it would be good to just that's where it would be a great place to start. Okay, so let's talk about the different styles of ribs because... I love that you can choose for your palate. I often will choose based on timing, right? I know that a baby back is going to cook reasonably more quickly than a great big beef rib, right? So talk to us, if you would, about the styles. Um, A baby back, uh, smaller from the rib of the pig, right? And tender and toothsome and, you know... Go on from there, if you would. The baby back is a little bit leaner and tends to cook a little bit faster. Right. The, the spare ribs have a little bit more fat. They're a little bit meatier. Um, I like to cut them into rectangle rectangles, kind of like um, for the St. Louis cut. So I take off the rib tips, and that way it cooks a little bit more uh, uniformly, and, and that will actually help expedite the cooking process as oh, well. Oh, that's smart. Okay. And then uh, past pork... We've got uh, a great big honkin' beef rib. I think of that as like a Flintstone rib, right? Like that's going to be like the sink your teeth into kind of rib. Well, and and even when you get into beef ribs, then we do have a couple different kinds. So for the beef ribs, you have um, uh, like the beef back ribs, okay, which would be the beef version of a baby back. Um, and you would also have the beef short rib which would be that big honking like beef plate rib. Yes. Um, that is going to take some time to, to cook down and to uh, get into its uh, delicious uh, beefy goodness. <laughs> but the, the beef the beef back rib is um, pretty much it's the, it's the meat that's left when they cut the prime rib away from the bone. And for those beef ribs, it's the meat that's between the bones rather than what's on top. Hmm. You're making my um, mouth water. <laughs> so for those, I you know, I I definitely like to season those up. Um, they can take a, a really good amount of seasoning, um, and they'll get a nice uh, bark on them. 
And you can do mm-hmm. something simple like a salt and pepper uh, Dalmatian rub, they call it in Texas, is the salt and pepper. Or you can make it like a sweet and spicy rib. Mm. Depends on your palate and your taste. I've never heard that term. I love that Dalmatian term. That's yeah, fabulous. In, in, in Texas, Dalmatian rub is, is basically their go-to rub. You know, uh, they keep it simple. Some cooks like to add a little bit of garlic to that. Uh, but, but the basis is, uh, you know, salt and pepper. Is there a standard ratio that you use for a Dalmatian rub? I have to say I don't use it a lot because I'm constantly creating all these different rubs. But yes, when I do, good ones, um, delicious I, ones too. Thank you. I, I tend to just, I season the salt and then pepper. I don't actually mix it myself. Okay. There is one thing of all the ribs that you talked about that is universal. And I am a very big believer in it. And that is... Remove the membrane. Can you talk about the membrane, please? Because I think that that can be an intimidation factor for ribs. And it's something that I think great cooks should learn to do. Uh, The butcher can do it, but you have to be aware of it. And if you've never, uh, if you've ever had ribs and had a really bad experience with ribs, (laughs) that they were chewy or tough or flavorless, a lot of that, that could be attributed to having that, that membrane still intact on the back. Now, it's it's actually kind of easy to remove. It is. As you as you said, you can ask your butcher to do it and it is just as easy to do yourself. Some people will use a butter knife and slip it under the corner of the membrane to lift it up a little bit mm-hmm. and then grab a paper towel and peel it all the way back. The one thing that that I like to do for competitions just because I'm doing many racks of ribs right. for the competition to make it a little bit easier and a little bit faster is I got this tool. It's a catfish skinner, it's called, and it looks like a pair of pliers with kind of like sharp, not teeth, but like uh, metal edges. Okay. And that'll help lift that corner up of the uh, membrane. Oh, how smart. And then smart. it's easy to just peel it right back. Oh, that's genius. I have to get myself some of those. If there was one secret to great ribs, the removal of the membrane might be it. It's going to help your your rub penetrate a little bit better and the smoke a little bit better. Mm. Um, but before we put on the rub, after we take off the membrane, I like to take a, um, a tablespoon Okay. And I'll scoop out. There's little pockets of fat on the back of those ribs. Right. Underneath that membrane. And I scoop that out because rub doesn't stick to fat. So as that fat melts, it's going to come right off. The rub's going to come right off. So scoop away those little pockets of fat on the back and and, uh, level off any loose pieces of hanging meat with your, uh, with your chef's knife. And then see, and then I like to put a little I use peanut oil on the, on my ribs. If you have an aversion to peanuts, you can use olive oil or yellow mustard or nothing. I, I tend to like to use something to adhere my rubs to this, and I typically use peanut oil. Ray Sheehan is here. You are learning Pitmaster Secrets. We are making the most outrageous ribs of your life. And you wouldn't dare touch your dial because we're summertime grilling and smoking and cooking up a storm. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Be right back.
We're bringing a whole new world of flavor to your cookouts. Yes, Ray Sheehan is here. Certified Kansas City Barbecue Society judge, pit master extraordinaire. We're next level grilling and smoking, and we're waxing poetic, well, at least I hope so, on ribs. So you want to master the ultimate ribs? Listen here. We just talked about the basics. Ray, take us to the next step. You talked about the dry rub. Um, You could wet marinate, right? Or brine? You could, and I know some people that do, and I've tried it. Me personally, I don't find that it's that much. Uh, I don't find that it's that much uh, better flavor-wise. Okay. Uh, for the time constraint, I really Good prefer to, to dry brine it for you know for thirty minutes to an hour, and just get them on the grill or get them on the smoker or however you're cooking them. Sure. Okay. So let's talk about uh, methods of cooking, please. And I'd like to share your recipes strewn throughout. Uh, the the method conversation here. So starting sure. with your slow smoked Memphis style ribs, that is um, a baby back rib, right? A pork rib. And yeah. it's um, dry rubbed and then you mop it, right? And it's all about the smoke. So in, in Memphis, barbecue is pork. Right. And we're, we're talking about doing these uh, baby back pork ribs and they are uh, dry rubbed. Some places in Memphis don't use any sauce, and some use what's kind of like um, a vinegary mop. And so that mop, what we're going to do is, after the ribs have been cooking for, you know, uh, an hour and a half to two hours, maybe like 90 minutes, we're going to start mopping it with that vinegar sauce, Mm. and we're going to be building layers of flavors, uh, Mm. building a crust on them. Mm. Unlike unlike some of the other ribs that we're going to talk about, Memphis ribs uh, are not wrapped. You don't wrap them during the cooking process to speed it up. Okay. We let them take their time. We we build the flavor in that crust, and um, mm. so it. You can, if you like, you know, continue to glaze them to, at the end, uh, just to just to uh, moisten them up or serve some of that sauce on the side. Yes. But, so, but the biggest difference is there. You know, we're building that. Uh, the bark or the crust on the outside and not wrapping them. Okay, well, I'm a sauce girl, so I, I, I would like to slather the sauce on my elbow, and so I would, <laughs> I would be the one who gives them that last coating. But those le- levels of flavor really what it's all about. Um, okay, talk, if you would, um, St. Louis-style ribs. Those are pork as well, a little bit tighter, a little chewier, right? Yeah, and typically when 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 you do cook the ribs like that, and you you want them to have like a little bite mark, and I like to have a little bit of tug, not a, not a lot, but when you talk about the consistency, um, if they're actually falling off the bone, we've overcooked them. Ah. So you want them to have a little bit of a tug, just ever so slight. So when you bite through, you're going to see kind of like a little bit of a bite mark. And you make cherry bourbon St. Louis-style ribs. Those look so good. That's one of my favorite uh, rib recipes because the bourbon has that kind of like a um, little bit of a caramel uh, and oak tone, you know, from the barrel. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, mm. it really uh, balances out with the tartness of the cherries. Oh. Uh, but the, the, the St. Louis style ribs, uh, like, I, like I said before, they're a little bit meatier and the cut is very uniform. So they're going to cook 
uh, a little bit more even. Good to know. Okay, good. Uh, here's one for me. The barbecue sticky ribs that you do, the Asian stickies, first of all, super simple using Chinese five spice powder recipe, by the way, in Ray's new book, award-winning barbecue sauces and how to use them. This is the first rib recipe of yours that I will try because that is right up my alley. And so easy. Right. Really easy. The key to this one is you're going to infuse the flavor in the marinade. If there's a, you're going to, you're going to marinate them. You're going to see, you're going to season, marinade, and then we're going to cook these on the grill. Um, you can do them offset. So if you are using charcoal, you're going to put all your uh, heated charcoal to one side, and you're going to put the ribs on the opposite side. Right. If you're using gas, you're going to turn on one side of the grill and leave the other side off, and you're going to put it on the side that's off. I call that indirect, the indirect cooking, or two-zone, right? Yes, absolutely. Okay, good. And you're going to... These are going to cook in a little bit over an hour. See, that's quick and easy. Now, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I have to make a mention here. I believe that all great cooks cook the way that works for them. And so if you're going to foil packet your ribs and put them in the oven because that's what you have time to do so you can walk away and finish them on the grill, more power to you. But when it comes to great ribs on the grill, if you don't have a smoker or you don't have three hours, this is probably the best go-to recipe you share because in an hour, you have barbecue sticky ribs from the grill. Oh, absolutely. It's Not everybody has three hours after work, but this is definitely a recipe you could knock out after work with a little bit of preparation. Like, you know, if you made your sauce, the sauces are really very quick to make too. Um, So you could do them all in in one day after work. If you wanted to make it ahead of time, you could. But to be able to do that and have that much flavor and home cooking, you know, after work um, with really not a ton of effort, this is the recipe. I cannot wait to dig my teeth into these ribs, I have to tell you. And then last but not least, for beef rib lovers, you make a sweet and spicy uh, beef back rib, smaller than the Flintstone like we talked about. Those look delectable too. That's a a slathered sauce-loving rib, right? Because I I could happily gnaw on that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And and this is kind of like, it's like prime rib on a stick. It's like Good. I said, the baby back, uh, it's the baby back version of the beef rib. Um, so you're going to want to bring the temperature up. See, I temp my ribs. That's another little secret. Like when we do competitions, I, I temp my pork ribs. And I, when I'm cooking these uh, sweet and spicy beef back ribs, I temp these too. When you say um, temp, you're, you're using a, an industry term. Uh, define it for us, please. So I, I'm taking the temperature or using a probe to get the temperature of the pork rib in between the bones or the beef rib in between the bones. And you're getting up to a particular temperature that you aspire to. Yes. And the reason for that is because I don't want to overcook them so they're really completely falling off the bone and dry out. I want them to still remain a little bit moist and have a little bit of that tug to them. Right. And so for the pork ribs, I'll cook them, you know, uh, to that point. And in the beef ribs, I'm going to cook to maybe 205 to okay. 208 okay. in between the bones. And at that point, the, the collagen breaks down, the meat starts to relax again, and mm. then you get this really insanely tender prime rib in between the bones. 
So smart. See, what a wonderful way to master ribs on the grill. That's really, Ray, we are going to take your tips to the grill and we are going to make the ultimate ribs this summer. And then everyone is going to want to come to my house, right? Actually, everyone's going to want to come to your house. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think they're going to want to come to your house. Uh, I've seen some of these wonderful things you've been cooking. uh, You're very kind. uh, Thank you. I would like to come to your house. Uh, But until then, uh, as I invite myself, we will continue to cook from your new cookbook. And I hope that you'll come back so that we can master more techniques for grilling and smoking heavenly, delicious things. When there's one tip you give, people make a mistake about not oiling grates. And I thought that was just genius. If you would leave us with that, we must clean the grill, right? Absolutely. Um, I tend to clean it before I cook. Yes. And and then when I'm done, I do um, kind of like a Mm -hmm. pre-clean. Whether I'm cooking steak, or grilling ribs, um, it's extremely important to have clean equipment. Uh, and the same goes for your smoker. Sure. Uh, I wouldn't, I know some people say, oh, well, it's seasoned, but it's, it's creosote, it's dirt, so let's clean it before okay. we cook on it. And to clean your grates on your grill, you want to get your grill really super hot, scrub it down, and then oil it. Yes. I like to oil it with just a little bit of olive oil. Okay. It's a very light amount. And I'm creating a nonstick surface uh, by doing that, and then I'll turn it down to medium and then or medium high, whatever, depending on what I'm cooking. Sure. And then we'll we'll get those nice grill marks mm. on our steaks, um, and we'll char the outside of our ribs. Brilliant. And, and clean is always better. Yeah, no doubt. That is the, the smartest last word. Thank you. You had the final word. Ray Sheehan's new cookbook entitled Award-Winning Barbecue Sauces and How to Use Them is a top pick on Amazon. So please check it out. You can also find his sauces and rubs along with recipes he shares to enlighten your grill at barbecuebuddha.com. B-B-Q-B-U-D-D-H-A.com. Ray, I can't wait to grill with you again soon. Thank you again for sharing your passion. Thank you so much for having me on. Appreciate it. Yep. Happy summer. We'll talk again. And there is more delicious conversation in your radio. So grab a snack and come on back. Don't touch your dial. Chef Jamie Gwen. Life, create, and savor yours. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Do you cook in cast iron? Of course you do. Well, how about on the grill? Well, you should be. The glorious heat conduction of cast iron makes for incredible searing and crusts and flavor. And the exceptionally talented food blogger and cook that is David Leet has some delicious inspiration. So pull out that heavy skillet and fire up the barbecue. We are grilling in cast iron today. David Leet, the three-time James Beard award-winning food writer and the founder of LeetsCulinaria.com, where he shares hot food and dry wit, is also the author of The New Portuguese Table and Notes on a Banana. 
David is an expert on many things, his blog, of course, having been much adored for its deliciousness since 1999, and I'm very proud to have him as a culinary contributor to this show. He's back, and he's got lots of inspiration. And I love that you've already fired up the grill, David, because summer is already here. It is, even in Connecticut, where it's not nearly as warm right. as where it is where you are. What is your best recipe, that's like asking a favorite child, in right, cast iron on the grill because I do agree with you we don't use great cooks alike Mm -hmm. do not use cast iron enough on the barbecue I agree and this is a real point of contention for a lot of cooks and a lot of people who grill they think that if you're not grilling and cooking over an open flame then it's not really grilling and so yeah I understand but I think that there's something to be said for certain things I think are better in a skillet for instance a smash burger. You cannot do a smash burger on the grill you smash it right through the grate it's true and it's the crust of that smash burger yes. that is yes. uh, unforgettable, I'd like to say. Yes. I want to go uh, back to the beginning. So let, okay. let's start at the beginning. Do All you right. heat up your pan before you start to sizzle? Because I give mine 10 minutes on mm-hmm. a hot grill or longer if I set the pan and then fire up the grill. How about you? Yes, you want to get it extremely, extremely hot. That's the most important thing, because don't forget, smash burgers kind of originated in diners and where they had the, the cooktop. The yeah, flat the flat top, tops. right. Exactly. So you want to mimic that. So you want to get it really, really, really hot. Of course, you've got to be careful and don't abs- absentmindedly pick it up with your hand because you'll be in trouble. So, yes, you want to get it very, very hot. That's ingredient number one. Ingredient number two, now here's, here's the conundrum that you have, is that with a smash burger, you can get a great crust, but a lot of times you get a dry patty. Or you could have a really juicy patty, but you don't have that really great, crispy crust. So what you want to do is you want to get real high heat, and you want to get a high-fat content ground beef. Yes, like please. Like 60-40, or yes. even a 50-50. Mm. Things like 90-10 or 80-20, the supermarket, those will be better for plain old cooking on the grill. Right. Or, um, or meatballs or meatloaf or a yes. bevy of things. Uh, exactly. Meatloaf. Any of those things, that's fine. But to do a smash burger on the grill, you really want to have that higher fat. So therefore, when you smash it down, you're not losing a lot of that juice because it's so much fat in there that you're able to maintain the, uh, maintain the, the fat content sure. and that, that juiciness and get that great, great sear. Okay. So on the smash burger topic... Do you mm-hmm. make uh, a big, thick, round patty? Give us the, the diameter and the thickness. And do you simply season salt and pepper? Because I am a purist when it comes to uh, add-ins in my burger, as in I don't add anything in. I agree with you. And I start out with a, like a, a round ball. Okay. Well. Maybe about, I'd say, three inches in diameter. Like it's a nice, it cups in my hand really nicely. And that's what I start at because that's where you get the smash down. Yes. Because if you start with a flat one, you're only going to make it flatter and flatter. But when you have it as a ball, when you smash it down and it starts to flatten, that's where you're going to get that real surface and that real sear. And all I do, I don't even uh, season inside the meat. A lot of people will. Because sometimes I'll, I'll have the meat hanging out in the refrigerator. And if you salt it, you start to then... Uh, some of the uh, the water inside starts to get extracted, which I don't like. Right. So I will season it right before going on, and I season it really highly with salt and pepper, and then I do the searing, and I just let it go down and really sear. And when it gets that nice crust, I flip it, 
Mm. And then I throw on some cheese. Tell us what's coming up uh, new and fabulous on Leeds Culinaria. Well, Leeds Culinaria, we've got a bunch of things that are going up. Of course, now we're in the summer, so we have lots of pies coming up. Blueberry, right now on the site, we just put up tahini chocolate chip cookies. I mean, Ooh. it doesn't get any better than that. No, nothing tahini better. Tahini chocolate chip cookies. Nice. And then we have grilled pork skewers, talking about the, the grill, which is oh, absolutely nice. lovely. And I'm just going down looking. At, and then this is sort of, it's, it's basically on papillote, but it's using foil and mushrooms even though it's a little earlier in the season but mushrooms done that way are just very smart something i think do that in the grill i was gonna say i think you could transport that foil packet to your backyard barbecue and make a mushroom smash burger exactly and then what's wonderful is all the butter and the fat in there and the Mm. flavor and you just put it on top of the burger and yummy dinner tonight i love it and i love talking food with you david as always thank you for coming back to share your passion uh you can find david leet's daily dish of deliciousness at leetsculinaria.com and then there is a shortcut david i never remember it (laughs) it's it's not much of a shortcut then it's lc cooks Com. No, but and that's that's because my computer automatically goes to leetsculinaria.com. Yes, you're bookmarked. <laughs> um, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of gastronomic inspiration. I hope that you set your culinary sights higher this hour and that you'll tune in every week so that I can fill your table with fabulous food. I will leave you with my last bite for the hour, my last ounce or tidbit of uh, culinary conversation, I like to call it. It's a simple recipe for the grill, of course, to celebrate summer. It's a cinnamon grilled peach with ricotta cheese and honey. And it is out of this world good because grilling fruit brings out its natural sweetness and it adds that smoky element that can't be beat. At the start of the show, I talked about char, will char your peaches. Any stone fruit, by the way, will work here. Apricots, plums, you name it. The ricotta cheese can be substituted with mascarpone. You could use ice cream if you prefer. I will tell you, I dream about this dish. And it's very simple. You need ripe, fresh, beautiful peaches, a little bit of sugar and cinnamon to season them, uh, a smoking hot grill, and then a little bit of ricotta, honey, and your favorite cookie, crushed vanilla wafers, uh, Italian almond cookies. Oh, the opportunities and possibilities are endless. I'm going to post the recipe for my cinnamon grilled peaches with ricotta and honey right now on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen. And I will meet you here at my table for lots more delicious conversation next weekend. Until then, please stay healthy and safe. I thank you for listening. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off, and I hope you continue to eat well. Well.